you're a diehard fight fan and you've been looking for like-minded diehard fight fans, welcome to the family. This is Coster's Cage, giving fans insight and analysis and featuring guest appearances from the UFC's biggest stars, past and present, as well as the very latest UFC news. This is Coster's Cage, and here's your host, Dan Coster. What's going on, everybody? Episode 2 of Coster's Cage. Before we get into today's interview, we got UFC 259 coming up. Just what a stacked card from top to bottom. Now, I was going to preview it, but I'm waiting on clearance from some streaming services and platforms. So I don't want to preview the card and have that come out like two hours before the card starts. You know what I mean? So next episode, we'll definitely recap it and go over it. But with that being said, let's get into the Dylan Mantello interview. Born and raised in Long Island. Yeah, born and raised Long Island, uh, Suffolk County. Uh, grew up in Sayville out east um, until high school. And then I graduated high school. I went down to LSU, actually, uh, for my undergrad in college. Uh, so a bit of a Louisiana boy as well. But, uh, yeah, Long Island came back and decided to uh, you know join Team Saralongo. And uh, it took my career took off since then, so it's it's been great. What did you go to LSU for? Uh, LSU didn't really have much of a name coming out of high school. Um, I actually started training when I was in college down there, uh, doing some boxing and jujitsu, um, at actually one of the schools that Dustin Poirier was training at originally. Um, I didn't know him personally, but, uh, similar lineage down there. So that was, that was cool. Um, started training boxing and jujitsu when I was down there, just, you know, in my free time and found out that, you know, I really loved it. And uh, I, I realized it was, you know, taking up more of my time than uh, schoolwork was. And I was focusing more on that anyway. So I wound up graduating. But, uh, you know, once I got out, I kind of realized, like, this is something that I really want to do with my life. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good opportunity for me to find myself at school and, and figure out that I love martial arts and wanted to fight. Now, you're not just fighting right now, right? You have another job? Yeah, I do work full time. I work in uh, I work in leasing for retail shopping centers across the country. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's it's tough to make a living, obviously, uh, as an amateur or even as a pro early on in MMA. But um, you know, you got to pay the bills too. So you know, I think it uh, it's a benefit to me. It, it teaches me really how to uh, you know work as hard as possible. Um, and, and stay disciplined because I don't have much time. So I really need to be efficient with my time, which I think has uh, helped shape me, actually. So it's, I, I try to take it as a positive. Now, what's that balance like working probably nine to five, I assume, you know, every day? How do you get in training? Like a, yeah. like a good training camp, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to training camp, we, I definitely get a lot more focused. Um, I, I try to maximize my diet. I, I'm very disciplined with my diet. Um I do have a nine to five right now. I have uh, a good arrangement where I'm working two days at home. So, you know, I get a little bit of a, of a rest on, on those days where I don't have to do commute and, and whatnot. So that helps, but, uh, it's definitely a grind. You know, my week is a grind. Um, I just recently got engaged though. So, uh, you know, I have a fiance that's definitely helps me with those things now. So helping me with food and, and those kind of things. So it's, uh, that, that definitely helps. But yeah, when it's training camp, it's uh, it's definitely go time. So I I definitely don't do any drinking or partying or anything like that. I'm laser focused. So I think that that 
um, you know, that laser focus has developed because of the job that I have. So it's definitely a grind, but I think that it, it turns out in uh, my abilities because it just makes me that much tougher. And we'll talk about the diet and all that stuff later because that's a whole other different topic kind of that I want to get sure. into. So I always ask people this. I'm curious because everybody has some wild answers, some maybe not. But did you get into a lot of fights as a kid? You said, you said, you know, the MMA career kind of started when you were in college. So did you have like a pit bull kind of dog in you, like as a kid, or? Yeah, I, that's. I did get in a lot of fights growing up. I got in a lot of fist fights growing up. Um, you know, growing up in my town, it was a lot of you know town rivalries, and you know, it just you know, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't evil or anything like that, but it just wound up being where, you know, if guys had a problem, they wound up fighting. And uh, I wound up being that guy a lot. I don't know why it just kind of happened that way. But um, I, I think I was always trying to fight for the right reasons. You know, I wasn't I was never beating up anybody that, you know, didn't uh, didn't want to fight me. So it it actually, you know, felt like a whole fight career before I even started training, honestly. So, uh, you know, and then word gets around and, you know, people want to fight different people because they hear they can fight. So, you know, I don't know how that is in different schools, but that's how it was in my school. So uh, that's that's actually helped a lot with my, you know, mental stuff because, you know, I'm training for a fight in a cage and there's a referee and we're wearing gloves and, you know, I've been in a lot of street fights where, you know, if you get knocked out, you're, you're in a lot of trouble, you know, right. so you really need to, uh, it, it's, it's not fighting fair in there either. So, you know, when I got into the cage, I was like, you know, this is great. You know, I get, I get an opportunity. I get one-on-one -on -one here and there's rules and, you know, this guy's going to jump in if anything bad happens. So it was actually uh, a good relief for me when I got in the cage because it was like, wow, now I get to really do what I want to do here. I assume every parent has a different, you know, oh, I don't want my son doing this, right? But what are your parents' thoughts on your MMA career? Are they, I, I'm sure that, you know, like every parent is their supportive, but is there a side of them that doesn't want to see you fight because of the injuries perhaps? Yeah, yeah. So my parents obviously knew I was getting in fights when I was younger too. So um, it wasn't necessarily encouraged, but they, they kind of knew I wasn't, you know, getting too far off the path and, and you know, doing the right thing. So they kind of knew I was getting in fights growing up, um, you know, and I went to college. A lot of that was for them because I know that that was part of the plan for me and, that, and they wanted me to have a good future. Um, and in the beginning, they were not into the fighting at all. They, they, uh, I tried to deter me a lot just because obviously any kid, you know, you want them to stay safe and, and make the right decisions. So there was a lot of pushback initially. I think that's pretty common with, uh, you know, most fighters actually, but, uh, since, you know, since they saw the work, work ethic and the discipline and, and, and the drive that I saw, you know, they saw a side of me and then they saw me get in the cage and beat up a few guys. They were like, okay, this kid, you know, he's actually good at this and, you know, he's happy. And those are important things, you know, to see your children, uh, ambitious and happy. I think those are two very important attributes. So they saw that side of me emerging, um, you know, the, the drinking and the, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd kind of stuff started falling away too. So, you know, obviously they worry about my health training and fighting, but they're definitely proud of the person that I am. And, you know, my mom's the loudest person in the crowd now. So she's, uh, she's on board. Fighter nickname. You're the quiet man. I'm going to take a guess. Is that because you just put people's 
lights out or how did that originate yeah so you know a lot of gyms kind of come up with the names for fighters i was hanging around sarah longa for a while and you know i kind of keep to myself um i'm pretty quiet you know myself i i you know i don't like to talk a lot of shit and, and do all that but so i was kind of waiting you know waiting around somebody somebody to come up with a nickname for me and nobody was doing it so i was like i gotta come up with one for myself so you know i i do keep it quiet i i do try to be humble and uh, let my actions speak for me, you know, and, and leading that way. But there's also a movie, a John Wayne movie that people don't know very well. It's called The Quiet Man. Uh, and I used to watch it with my dad every uh, every St. Patrick's Day. And it's about John Wayne. He's a boxer. He goes to Ireland. I don't know. It's a great movie if anybody hasn't seen it. But, um, yeah, so that was uh, early, early memories that I have of, you know, watching John Wayne getting fistfights in, uh, in this movie I was watching with my dad. And it was always something that stuck with me. So I went with that. It's been working out. Fighting inspiration. Whose game do you try and look at at the next level? And you try to take, you know, pieces of them, whether it's in the stand up wrestling, jujitsu wise, whose game do you try and emulate? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I try to take a bit from everybody. Um, obviously I try to, I try to stick to some guys that are my, you know, my, my disciplines, my, my body build. Uh, Calvin Cater's a guy I actually watch a lot now. Ray Longo, my head coach, uh, tries to give me some some good guys for my style. You know, I'm a, a pretty good boxer with uh, you know solid jujitsu and range. So I think Calvin Cater's a guy that I've been looking at lately. He's a really tough guy. You know, and George St. Pierre was a huge inspiration to me growing up. You know, I remember watching him be a champion and be so humble. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is something different here. You can be, you know, you could be the baddest dude around and still be a nice guy. So that was always intriguing to me, you know. So and then obviously Matt Sarah, you know, is the Long Island King. Right. So he got the you know, he was the first Long Island guy to get a belt. I mean, that was a little bit before I really got into the sport. Why? I remember Weidman winning the championship very clearly, though. I was in college and I saw him knock out Anderson Silva. I was like, oh, man, this guy's from Long Island. And he just did this, you know, so that was a that was a huge inspiration for me for my personal career. But, um, yeah, style wise, I try to watch some of the good strikers. I have a lot of great coaches, so I'm trying to build my own game as well. There's something about a Long Island guy just making noise, you know, a hometown guy just seeing him on TV and having, a you know, just a killer performance. And it's like, wow, this guy's right in my backyard, you know. Just yeah, something. exactly. Long Island, it's a small, uh, it's a small niche over here, but man, we we can produce some tough guys, you know. So uh, maybe it's just part of that culture that I was talking about, you know. Like growing up, a lot of guys getting in fist fights, a lot of guys, you know, just throwing down and you know not letting it escalate to anything worse than that with you know you know knives or guns or anything like that. It's kind of just a, a solid community to. Uh, just kind of throw down and, and, and learn how to defend yourself. So it's been good. I always say Long Island, all, not all of a sudden, but it's a sneaky hotbed for MMA and UFC yes. guys. And yes. I don't think it gets, you know, enough credit. Like every week it seems like there's, you know, where every month, whatever it is, every other card, there's a guy from Long Island that's making noise or has a fight lined up or something. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the, uh, obviously New York City, I mean, hopefully it still will be after COVID, but it's just a huge hub for the world. So I think a lot of talented guys go there. So, you know, we're kind of an offshoot of that. And I think, you know, the winters and everything like that, it's it definitely creates tough people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. And then you have guys that do well and then move the ball forward for the rest of us, like Sarah and and uh and Wybin and hopefully uh Aljamain Sterling going in uh at the end of the month here and uh trying to get the third 
UFC title for such a small Sarah Longo team. Like that's that's actually kind of crazy to have three UFC champs like that. We talked about your background and you know at LSU how you went down and did your boxing and became interested in all that stuff. But was there a point during that time or maybe a little after that you said I'm doing this? It's for real. Like was there a specific moment that you were like. I'm doing this. Was it just like hitting pads and you thought you had power? Or was it like an amateur fight that you were like, all right, this is legit. I can actually do something. Yeah. So I think the first time that I wound up getting enough courage to walk into an L.A. boxing down there, I was like, you know, I just I could always fight, obviously. You know, I I thought I could fight. But I was always, you know, intrigued by the boxing. But I just had so much respect for it, I think, that I, I was kind of intimidated to go in and learn and ask somebody. So one day I wound up, you know, I was on, by myself in Louisiana, you know, and I was thinking, like, you know, who cares what anybody thinks of me here? So it was good freedom to, to make that decision. I walked into L.A. Boxing. I was holding pads. And I had, you know, somebody do it private for me. He was holding boxing pads. Uh, and... Yeah, I was like, and I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. I, and the guy said, you know, you have some talent, obviously. So I left the gym that day, and I was like shaking. I was, I called my dad. I was like, this is all. I called my brother. I called everyone. I was like, I don't know, I don't know what this is, but I love this. And uh, you know, so that was the first time I really realized how much I loved training, and and uh, you know, my love of martial arts developed from then. Um, but as far as fighting goes, I would say. There was a time when I was kind of doing both. I was partying and training and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to fight. But just, you know, whenever in the future, you know, not really concrete plans. And I wound up, you know, partying and training. And then after a while, you can't you can't do that. You know, your body will your body will definitely start to uh, to feel it. And I wound up having a, a, a herniated disc in my neck. It wasn't as bad as I thought initially, but it wound up. Um, really freaking me out. It was one of my first neck injuries. Obviously, a lot of these guys get neck injuries all the time now. I didn't know that. So I was thinking, man, this is it. I'm not even going to be able to train. I was sitting in a delivery truck that I was working for, and I couldn't even, like, turn my head at all. And I was like, man, this sucks. And, like, my dad came in the car, and I was, like, really down. I was, like, trying to explain to him, like, how much it was going to hurt, like, that I couldn't fight. And he just, yeah, he just didn't really get it. He was like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to break your neck anyway. So it's like, what's the point? And then that's when I realized like, really nobody is going to understand this more than me that like, if I don't fight, I, I it will haunt me for the rest of my life. You know, and sometimes there's things in their life that just have those, you know, just have those moments where it's like, wow, if I don't do this, I will, I know that I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And sometimes that's the most motivating um, ingredient that you can have. So that was the time that I decided I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop partying. And I cut a lot of people out of my life um, and just got super focused. And I think when you do that with anything, I think you're going to start seeing results and, you know, it just snowballs from there. That's great stuff. Almost like a point to prove chip on your shoulder and tunnel. Vision. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to think my dad was the chip on my shoulder, but <laughs> right. a lot of it was, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't care what other people think, but like if you, when your family says something like that, you know, it's, you know, and I love my dad and I trust my dad. So it's like, you, you really have to break away and start thinking for yourself in life, you know, with anything that you do. I mean, I'm sure whatever you're doing or whatever anybody's doing in life that if they really love doing it, there was probably a point where they had to say, you know, I have to think for myself here and I have to make the best decision for me because nobody's going to look out for me better than me. And 
I know how I feel about myself and I have to do the right thing by me. I don't want to give away any tips to any other opponents, but what's your favorite combo? Combo. Uh, I've been doing a lot of boxing with Ray lately, the last like year or so. So my hands are getting pretty good. I think my biggest attribute is my right hand. I, I think I have a lot of power in my right hand. Um, I've been hurting people and knocking people out. You know, my amateur career and my pro career, I had a, a pretty, a pretty uh, sick highlight knockout that I had with the right hand. So I would say my right hand is, is the moneymaker for sure. We talked a little bit about the training schedule, but what's the story behind you going to Longo and Weidman? Is it just the notoriety of it? So like I was saying, I was uh, I was doing my, my master's in journalism at Hofstra. I'd come back to Long Island from, from Louisiana and... You know, I was kind of just going through the motions and I was, you know, I was saying, you know, this me, this isn't really for me. I feel like I've, I've, I'm kind of just daydreaming through all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I, get a, I was sitting in a Hofstra classroom and I just Googled, you know, like, you know, if I was to go to Ray Longo and like Matt Sarah and Weidman's gym, like where would that even be? So I Googled it. I texted it. And it was literally right down the street from from the university so i was like oh man this is definitely a sign where i need to go check this out so i wound up like driving past the gym like three times just because <laughs> it's like i didn't i was so nervous to go in you know so uh, eventually I, I wound up uh getting the courage to walk in there and say you know i, I trained a little bit and looking to train and, and i saw ray longo was like sitting right in the main office like in the front desk just like i was like holy shit like ray, <laughs> like sitting here like I figured, like, oh, you know, he'll stop by and do a wave and stuff. And no, but then there was like, I realized, like, this guy's here six, seven days a week, and he's actually the guy teaching these classes. I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is like an amazing opportunity. I'm, and I haven't left since. So I've been going, training hard at the same gym, and I think it's one of the best teams in the, in the world, honestly. Truly, how beneficial is it to have guys like Marab, Aljo, Al? All these guys, even up and comers. Yeah, I think we have a really good uh, combination of guys in the gym right now. I think a lot of guys are definitely talented, and I think seeing guys in the UFC like that has has kind of encouraged people. Like you know, this is it's the same thing I was saying. Like walking to the gym and seeing Ray Longo teaching the classes. It's like when you see somebody doing something, you can start seeing more for yourself. So. You know, we got guys like and, and these guys and the same thing with Algermain, like he teach he's teaching class when he's here in New York. He's in Vegas now, but when he's doing wrestling classes, it's like you're you're getting world class training there. So um, it's it's a it's a family community. I think that's probably what it is uh, that contributes to the transfer of knowledge. Like we actually it's a small gym, but we actually care a lot about each other and a lot about our careers. So I think that that bleeds through into training because, you know, martial arts encompasses all of that. You know, it's, it's a family unit and, you know, we all want to, we're all competitive and we all want to see each other do good. So uh, we all push each other to get to that next level. So we have a few more guys coming up, actually, you know, myself included, hopefully, um, that are going to definitely make a splash on the UFC scene soon. So it's, uh, we're excited for the team. I always tell people that don't quite understand, like, all the one-on-one -on -one training, right? If you like baseball, picture it like a hitting lesson with like a Yankee or football, a quarterback lesson with a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's just a different dynamic that I don't think a lot of people understand. Like you're one-on-one -on -one with legit the best guy in the world right now. And if you're from Long Island, it's right in your backyard. You know what I mean? So that, yeah. always, that always just blows my mind. It's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's invaluable, honestly, because I trained in Louisiana, 
you know, I was I was definitely a sponge. I soak up a lot of knowledge. I had some good coaches. Um, but I've only been at that gym, one gym and Sarah Longo. So since since competing and seeing these guys like in different gyms come out and you know they don't have the they don't have the conditioning they don't have the technique like there's a lot of guys out there that really don't have that even at a high level so i think technically we're one of the best teams just based on you know ray longo with the striking and matt sarah with the jiu-jitsu you get a lot of wrestlers from long island come in and you put that together it's just a recipe that works you know and like that's just how you build a successful fighter there are there are basics and principles that you know are underlying and i think that they just have it figured out here so you know it's i I couldn't i wouldn't want to be at another team at all so now let's talk about the diet and the weight cut i'm curious because you fight at lightweight yeah you you are a big lightweight uh yeah 155 i'm 6'1 i walk around like 175 so i'm definitely a large white uh lightweight um I think the cuts are not that bad for me either. I think that my, my diet, my discipline uh, are one of the strongest attributes that, you know, get in there. And I've always said that like cutting weight is like any other skill and you can get good at it. And the better that you get at it, the bigger advantage you have in the cage. You know, it's like any other technique. It's like drilling a double leg. So I got really good at that. And I, you know, I, I definitely crushed my weight cuts and I'm, I'm not going to be the smaller guy in the cage at any point in my career. So uh, that's definitely been an advantage for me. Are you concerned but, about speed at 155 at all? Or is your strength and just your reach and height just? Yeah, I mean, I think my, my reach and my range are definitely my best my best weapons. Um, I'm definitely, I definitely have good hand speed as well. So a lot of these guys down at lightweight, you know, they're, they might be fast, but you got to hit me first. You know, you got you to gotta be able to get close to me so and if you get close to me you know you can take me down even and i'm pretty good off my back so i have a pretty well-rounded game um so i i like my matchups that i get with these guys because you know i i wear them down and um i'm dangerous everywhere so um and and i have really good cardio so um that's kind of my 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 mindset going into a fight against these uh you know smaller guys that might look good getting off the bus that have a lot of muscles like you know, my opponent that was coming up here, but, uh, you know, if we're weighing in 155 pounds the day before, nobody's going to be bigger than me in the cage. So that's a huge advantage. Now the diet, we talked a little bit about it. Do you eat portion meals? Do you graze throughout the day? And I want to talk about fight week's diet. How much are you eating during fight week, the day of the fight? What's that like? Yeah, I try to keep my diet pretty clean, uh, year round just so it's not too much of a shift, you know, you know, a lot of the weight cut stuff, uh, one of our uh, trainers, Tony Ricci at the gym always says like, uh, you know, the weight cut starts, you know, six months before because your body is going to get, you know, you're only going to be as good as you are when you're at your worst. So I try to eat as, eat as clean as I can. And again, Tony Ricci has really perfected the weight cuts for us. We, we know exactly the, you know, the balance of sodium and carbohydrates leading up to the fight. Uh, you know, you taper down the calories and, you know, taper down your workload, but, uh, we get a good pull of water towards the, towards the weight cut day. And, you know, we feel great on way in, uh, on fight day because, you know, we just do all the right things and we replenish the right way. So I usually, I usually cut about, uh, you know, 15 pounds or so in like two days. So it's, uh, you know, it's never easy, but we do it the right way because we have, again, 
some of the greatest minds in the sports, I think. So definitely have an advantage in that aspect too. I want to talk about your final amateur fight. You won the Triton fight lightweight belt. What did that mean to you? Did that kind of spark like, all right, I could become a pro now? Yeah, so I, I did a lot of fights with Triton in my amateur career. Uh, and then they wound up launching a, a professional promotion since COVID hit in Florida. So this is actually their first show. So I'm actually doing a pro fight now with Triton. So I had three, I think I had three uh, championship fights for them uh, for different belts. And, you know, they put on a great show. So it was always, a, it always kind of had a big feel, a uh, big fight feel for it, um, for the, for the level that it actually was. So that's been a, that's been a huge help. Um, I know the amateur shows have kind of taken off since, you know, the last even five, six years, because, you know, you hear stories where, you know, the skill level of these amateurs are really where people were, you know, five, six fights into their pro career, uh, because guys are just really getting so ready now before they, before they make that jump to pro. So you can get the most amount of value for your wins, um, I think. So it's it's been great getting the belt. Like I remember trying to visualize having the belt around my waist for a while. So when when once you have it, you know, you get that around your waist, you can feel it. It's tangible. You know, you you, re- you reach that goal and you say, okay, this was something that I was envisioning. Got it. Now I'm going to move on to the next one and try and get that as well. So now, what was your favorite moment of your career so far? I would say probably getting my first belt and it was a really tough fight uh, against Paul Timothy for Triton and I had to dig deep and it was the first title fight I had. So I was really, you know, in great shape and he was, he was a really tough guy, really good kickboxer, good jujitsu. So I had Ally Quinta in my corner for that fight actually. So he was, uh, he was definitely getting me hyped up for that one. So I wound up, Losing the fur, losing the second round, and I had to come back in the third round, and um, I just had to dig deep, and I put the pressure on, and I wound up, you know, finishing the guy in the third round, and you know the crowd just went wild. You know, I had a lot of people in the stands, so that emotion in the in the cage, you know, really saying like, wow, you know, this is something that I'm really proud of. Like, even if my career ended right now, I would be pretty happy with this moment and then to get the belt something tangible you know that you can hold on to forever i mean you know it's not an expensive belt but right i'll be able to bring that with me no matter where i go and my kids will see it and they'll say you know this is this is real because you could tell stories all day long but that that tangible belt is uh you know something real to share so um i'm trying to take that that mentality going forward and then just think about championship level fights because um you know those are the ones that you know you get something to bring home for so it's motivating now your next fight march 27th in florida i noticed your opponent hasn't fought in two years how do you think you could take advantage of his layoff yeah i actually didn't know that uh i know he doesn't have a ton of fights i think he's two fights pro there's not much film on him either he's got two quick finishes on his record so i've been trying to find some tape uh, he looks like he's a uh, you know a pretty strong guy, so we'll see how he does. He fought at welterweight a couple of times too, so you know he's probably going to be adjusting to the weight cut. So we'll see how that plays into it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm just going to end up being better everywhere, uh, more experience. So I think that definitely plays a part in your composure in the cage and you know when you're composed you can put the techniques together that that win the fight so i'm i'm excited for the opportunity to uh you know 
grow my record to three and zero, and start looking at some good opportunities to, you know, Bellator and UFC and things like that. Now that fight's going to be streamable, I believe, right? Yeah, they do have a uh, pay per view stream. Uh, I'll be probably putting it up in my Instagram, you know, story leading up to the fight, and uh, they will have people there as well in Florida. So they are, uh, I think it's five hundred people that they have in the crowd. So I'm expecting a good turnout, you know, for my people, whoever can make it. So it's, uh, I'm used to having a big crowd in the, in the stands. So I'm excited, but, um, yeah, Triton put on a good show. So it should be fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, last question here. What advice would you have for others wanting to take up MMA? I would say that being able to defend yourself through martial arts is probably one of the most important things that you can have in life. I think the ability to defend yourself opens so many opportunities for you to be who you are because a lot of guys, I mean, I was one included when I was younger. It was, you know, it was always picking fights and always thinking about, you know, what's going on and who's going to try to fuck with me and stuff like that. So when you can kind of just get that off your plate, if that's an issue for you, martial arts is a great, great tool to really help you feel comfortable being yourself because you're not, you know, threatened by other people anymore. So as far as training martial arts and MMA for personal, for personal life, I think it's very important. Competing is definitely something that I think is a drive that you need to know for yourself that you want to do it because it is very dangerous to do and you need to love the sport and you need to really um, be aware of the danger because it's no joke when you're in there. So you need to train as hard as possible because you have a lot of people looking and watching you that care about you. And, you know, that's a motivating factor for me too. I know that there are my family and, and friends are going to be looking for me to be able to win. So I need to be able to, you know, deliver on, on fight night. And that means putting in a lot of work. So, um, but that's definitely a calling that I think people, uh, need to develop for themselves and you know i i found it a little bit later in life but it's it's very strong with me and i anticipate doing as much as i possibly can in the sport we've had a great chat <laughs> yeah i want to thank you for coming on and talking and discussing and i want to congratulate you on your engagement oh thank you thank you and uh tell everybody where they can find you on instagram the quiet uh the quiet man underscore mma on instagram that's where i put most of my stuff um so yeah you could follow me on there but uh yeah so hopefully by the end of the year i'm looking to uh you know get a look from the ufc dana dana white contender series so um definitely looking to make moves this year so thank you for the time appreciate you uh taking the time for the interview and, and getting the word out so uh maybe we'll do another interview in a in a couple months where I'm i down. got a few pro I'm titles down. to talk about I am definitely down. I appreciate it so much for you coming on, and I wish you the best of luck on March 27th. Yeah, March 27th, Triton Fights in uh, Tampa, Florida. Um, should be good. I think I'll probably be the co-main event, so um, it's going to be an exciting night, and I'm ready for it. So thank you for anybody uh, who's going to go follow me from, from Instagram, and I'll definitely put up some good content and links to my fights. So uh, thank you very much. You've been listening to Coster's Cage with Dan Coster, bringing diehard fight fans together. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at Coster's Cage. Welcome to the family, and we'll see you soon. See you soon.